Hey, everybody. On the run with Beards and Duns back for our 11th episode. I don't know if, Dick, if you knew that or not. Last week with Bill Rogers was our 10th episode. That was kind of a milestone that we've been doing this for, yeah. for I guess, that long already. But I don't know about you, Dick, but I'm still kind of giddy over Bill Rogers having a sit down with you and I. Wasn't that fun? I mean, you know, Bill, like I said this last week when we had Bill on, you know, I've known Bill for 40 years or a little more than that, actually. And he hasn't changed a bit. You know, he's older. He's 75 now, but he still gets out there and run. And he's still the, the same old Bill. As, you know, one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. Oh. And it was so fun just listening to some of his thoughts and ideas and stories from all those great years of running he had. Oh, very much. He's sharp as a tack. I mean, the guy's right. memory for running details and stuff. And, um, yeah, you know, and I, I was telling a few friends of mine about it and how excited I was. And, and I said, you know, the hard part for as you age is, in my mind, I still picture Bill Rogers running Boston. Yeah. You know, or New York or, you know, the, the duel in the sun. And, and you have that picture of kind of ingrained. And, you know, <laughs> and now I look at pictures of you and I back in the day, Dick, I and, I, and I look in the mirror and I go, who is that guy? I know. You know? <laughs> and so it is, you know, and that's just part of life. It you know, is. As we age and things change. And sometimes our mind and our memories kind of remember things as the way they were. But I, I sure enjoyed that. I, I appreciate your, uh, you know, um, your willingness to reach out to Bill because you had that intimate kind of relationship and, and, and him coming on. And I hope our listeners enjoyed Bill Rogers. And so, uh, yeah, that and that's was a lot just of fun. the first of many, I hope. Uh, you know, we've had Coach Underwood on. We've had Bill Rogers now. And I don't think we're done with oh, guests no. yet. I we think... got some more surprises down the road. There you go. I love it. Well, let's kind of catch up. You know, before we had Bill on, you and I just ran the Houston. We're kind of going through the running chronological order of our careers. And we had just finished uh, the January 10th uh, Houston Marathon. We both got personal bests, personal records. Yep, 1981. Uh, Oh, that was so exciting. And went to Gillies that night and had just a a a hoot nanny, as we call it. And then the next day you went back home. I went back home and... And I know I had a race in a few weeks over in Marshall, Minnesota. I went over and did a 10K. It was a race they had. I can't think of the race director. He was an insurance salesman in Marshall. Do you remember that family? They were just yeah, a wonderful Dave Bouchard. Dave Bouchard. Yeah. Thanks for reminding me. And I went over to do Dave's race in Marshall a couple weeks after uh, uh, Houston. And uh, Lyle Clausen, one of my old buddies, was there. Jerry Sattel. I remember Jerry. He's a good runner from Minnesota. It was a great race, cold weather. It was, in, it was in late January, early February. You, on the other hand, finished up Houston. And, Dick, three weeks later, where were you? I was in Beppu, Japan for the Beppu <laughs> Onita International Marathon. It's it's Japan's oldest running marathon. So, it's got a lot of prestige, you know, kind of like the Boston Marathon here in the U.S., not quite that prestige, but still it was in, in an invited uh, group of runners. There was only 80 runners that were invited to run and from all over the country. So, done. I get back from Houston on – our race was Sunday, I think, mm-hmm. and yeah. I get back Monday. Tuesday, I get a phone call from the Japanese uh, Sports Federation – invite me to come and run this Beppu Marathon. Now, well, and the date is like three, less than three weeks away. It was, yeah, at that point now, it's less than three Two weeks away. And I remember, yeah. gosh, going to Japan. I mean, this was like 
outside my wheelhouse at that point. So I, I remember calling Coach Squires, and I go, Coach, I uh, I got invited to the Pepo International Marathon, and it's in three weeks. He goes, well, Dickie, how you feeling? I go, well, it's you know it's only been a couple of days, but you know I feel pretty good. He goes, hey, listen, an opportunity like that might not come your way again. He says, go for it, and so that's all I needed, and wow. so. You know, uh, my first wife, Mary, and I, we, we flew over there and done. They put us up, all the invited athletes, they put us up in the best hotels, fed us the best food, waited on us hand and foot because even though we were going to be running against their countrymen, they wanted us to do the best of our ability. And, you know, marathon running in Japan, oh. it's, it's like the NFL football is over well. here. I think that's almost like samurai warriors. They look at these runners as like they're they're unique, special people. Oh, done. This race, it started in the city of Beppu, ran along the ocean front, this highway that completely closed down to the city of Oita. And then that was where the halfway point was. And you turned there and, and came back. There were 80 runners. There was over a million spectators lining that road between... Beppu and Oida, and it was live on television across the country. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, because, of course, when you got back and I'd heard about we call, I called you on the phone or vice versa, whatever it was, and I remember the next time we got together, Mary, who got to go with you, took a lot of photos, and I kind of remember some of the stories, but did they let you guys actually go out and run on part of the course before the race, and they closed off traffic to let you practice running on some of the course. They did. So they they, I, they, okay. they they closed off about a five-mile stretch on this main thoroughfare that goes from Beppu to Oita. They closed it down one morning for us so we could, um, you know, go out and do our run without having to worry about traffic and things like that. Then they took us on a complete tour of the course, which it wasn't much to it. Like I said, it was along the, the bay of an ocean of the ocean over there flat as a pancake there wasn't a a hill in it and i mean anything that you asked for or needed they were there for you to accommodate you it was amazing now to keep going because i i I just remember after you got back and we're gonna let you talk about the race because it was an amazing race and they actually you had a videotape and it wasn't just vhs tape it was beta right does anybody out there know what beta max is <laughs> beta tape it's a smaller version of vhs it was everybody if you had invested money in beta tape <laughs> i'm sorry your money's yeah, gone now because exactly. it, it died but the comp the the i don't know if the race committee or somebody as a as a gift sent you a, like a video and it was it was the vo- broadcast that was being shown live right. on national TV. They recorded it, sent you this beta tape, and we could actually, back in the early 80s, you could rent a beta machine. I remember that. And and so you had this tape of the race. I'm going to let you talk about the race. But it was all in Japanese. Yes. And so you could sit there and watch and hear what was going on. But the whole bottom line was you couldn't understand a word what the announcers were saying. Every now and then you'd just hear... Beardsley son. Yes. Beardsley exactly. You know, you'd hear Beardsley. <laughs> and but you wouldn't hear when they were just jabbering away, and I haven't got a clue what they were talking about. But it was the race. And uh 
I love you, you know, so three weeks post Houston, you just ran 212.49. Yes. You're in, you're in Japan at this great race. Mary's with you. You're having a good, you know, it's, but you're there to race. Right. And so the morning of the race, and I remember a story you said right at the start, you'd had a tradition of, well, you, you were being sponsored by New Balance now. So you, you know, and it was always cool most mornings and, and you, know, right. you want it to be cool to run a marathon. So you'd wear a t-shirt jogging around yep. warming up, but you had your race singling on underneath. Exactly. So correct me if I'm wrong. Did you have a habit of like, you'd take the t-shirt off, you know, here in the U.S., people would be clamoring for that. Beers, beer, I, you know, you'd, you'd give it, you'd right. toss it in the crowd and they'd probably tear it to shreds now. But anyway, isn't that what you did? You kind of took off your shirt and what happened? I did. So I took off my shirt right before the start because it was chilly and I had, I was wearing a pair of white gloves. The, they're probably the Bill Rogers running gloves <laughs> that you came go. out with. And uh, there was a young Japanese girl standing there and with her, you know, kind of like gesturing to throw it to her. So I, I, I kind of half-handed it, half-tossed to- it to her. And she had a big smile on her face. And so I'm, I'm at the starting line now. And uh, we got this unbelievable pace vehicle in front of us and whatnot and all these t- television cameras and whatnot. And the gun goes off. And me and a guy named, remember Kevin McCary? Sure. He ran for Nike. Yep. Kevin yep. was there, and there was a couple other Americans. I can't from Great re- Britain, I think, if I remember right. Yeah, and there there were some other you know Europeans there besides the Japanese runners. But the two big Japanese runners were the Soul Brothers, S O H, and one had one was like a two o nine marathoner, and the right. brother the other twin brother was like a two ten marathoner. They're identical twins. You couldn't tell them apart. No, and. So anyhow, the gun goes off and there, the pack was not real big right away. I mean, it was maybe six, seven guys. And I remember at about 5K, we, uh, we go by an aid station. So I grab a cup of water or some kind of an electrolyte drink that they had over there. And I drank it and I turned to one of the other runners that missed it and, and offered it to him. And he shook his head. No, all of a sudden an official on a motorcycle comes up along my side and says, no, no, no. Apparently in international races, you can't share. You can't offer assistance. Exactly. Wow. So I'm glad I found that out quick and that they didn't disqualify me or something. Yeah, you know? you cheater. Well, no <laughs> kidding. Well, about 10K, it was, now it was down to the three of us, me and these two soul brothers. So we're, and we're, we're running at a, a good clip. So we come into Oita, the turnaround point, and you, you you made the sharp turn. Mikey, done. We went through the halfway in one hour, two minutes, and fifty six seconds. I remember watching the Betamax tape, and they had a like the you could see the timer, and I was thinking. I remember you guys. So do the math, you guys. Anybody two oh. 103 Six. half marathon. Right. Gee, all you have to do now is you guys work together, run a 104 coming back. You're going to have a 207 marathon world under record. your belt. Well, it would have been a world record. When you guys went around that turnaround, I remember on the videotape, it looked like you're running a 5K. It didn't look like you're running a marathon. You guys were in full full stride. We, we were flying. And right. so anyhow, we're, we start heading back to Beppu. And it was this, it was a beautiful clear calm morning it was chilly but it was you know it was calm well 
as when we made the turn to head back to the city of Beppu, you could see this big bank of clouds yeah. coming towards us. Well, at about 30K, this front came through and the wind started blowing about 20 to 30 miles an hour right in our face. So now all of a sudden, you, up to that point, we're running like 206, 207 pace. So all of a sudden now this big wind comes through. It's, we're heading right into it. So the two Soul Brothers, they tuck in right behind me. You know, single file behind me. If, it's and, like a bicycle race where the, the, they're drafting right. you. Yeah. They're drafting me. So I'm thinking, okay, that's all right. I'll, you know, I'll go for like a quarter mile and, and then one of them will rotate. take, yeah. you know, rotate. And, and that kind of was the unspoken rule back then, at least in the U.S. And then with a mile or two to go, everybody's on their own. So I go for a quarter mile and those guys are still sucking off my back. I go for a half mile. They're still right there. So I've gone about three quarters of a mile now and I'm bucking the wind and these guys are sucking off my back. So I turn and I motion with my right hand to come around me. Right. And they both they both shake their head no. <laughs> so Yeah, you're I'm doing fine. <laughs> yeah. So then I thought, well, I I can't be yeah. you know bucking the wind for them for the rest of this race. So I thought, well, what the heck? So then I started zigzagging back and <laughs> forth on the road, and they kept following me. Cyclists, if you ever watch a cycling race, they do that. They do the same thing. Yeah, cyclists and trying so, to kind of lose them. Yeah, yeah. And and the 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 TV truck. There's two Japanese announcers sitting on this little kind of a bed of a truck with the TV cameras, and I'm I'm weaving back and forth, back and forth, and I hear one of them go. Ah, busy son. He gone cuckoo. <laughs> he thought he went nuts. And but they they would not. They would. They just kept following me. So finally, with about about thirty five k, with about five or five little or five k left. Honest to gosh, I I came to a complete stop in the middle of the highway and let them go by me, and then I tucked in behind them. So I tuck in behind them. And the crowds are crazy. And they've all got their little Japanese flags. They're waving <laughs> and they're cheering. And we're just coming into the city limits of Beppu with about a mile to go. Now, at this point, well, it had started catching up to me with about three miles to go. But by with a mile to go, that race I'd run in Houston three weeks before was catching up with me. Now, before you get to the last mile, I remember watching this video and you forgot one little piece. When you got behind them, they started looking over their shoulders and they started to weave a little bit. And you, it was so funny. It was just like turnarounds, fair play. You stayed and were snaking behind them. And it was <laughs> kind of like, that. oh, I remember laughing. It's going, Pierce is doing <laughs> the same thing to them. What they did, they wanted you to pass. Anyway, but eventually you guys go ahead so, with a mile yeah. to go. So we come into the city limits, mile to go. And right now, now, remember, we didn't have all these fancy electrolyte drinks. We drank either sugared iced tea or, or defiz Coke. And right now, I needed one so bad because I was running out of juice. You're bonking. And, yeah. and, and I remember this mini bus, and Mary was in this mini bus following the race. And I remember them going by me with about a mile to go, and I looked up and I saw Mary, and I just kind of shake my head. I And so I'm in the middle I got one soul brother on my left, 
one soul brother on my right, the crowd's going crazy because they're from that area of okay. Japan. And they turned to each other with a mile to go and said something in Japanese. I have no idea what they said. And they took off like they were shot out of a rocket. I think they said, I think we got him on the ropes. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And the the one soul brother who ended up actually falling off the pace for a bit with about at about 35k yeah he but caught back up to me and his brother with you know with a mile to go he ended up actually winning it in yeah. in the last mile they put pertner a minute on me they there was no love lost between those no, brothers I, they ended up running 211 and 30. change yeah. and i ran 21241 i think that 2 day 21241 you just pr'd by 8 seconds right from the race you did at Houston 3 weeks earlier and so they come in together, and yeah, they they. I remember watching the video. They weren't gonna like come in hand in hand and like no. brotherly love. That one so brother put the hurt bag on the other one. Once they had you, I, I think they must have looked at each other and said, "Let's just go now," you know, because you know, if you would have got within sight of the finish line, you never know what might happen. You know, right. guys get that little shot of adrenaline or something. Exactly. But when they made their move, it was definitive, and and then they they dueled right to the line, and the one out sprinted the other, and. And you came in, I remember on the the videotape, it showed them being like, you know, uh, blankets put around them and people pat them on the back. And then you finally come, you know, it was a minute. And right. then you came across and, you know, they were very, um, it looked like very gracious. The they Japanese, were. The officials, what happened. Absolutely. You. Yeah. And it was, it was amazing. They took us in we sat down and, you know, the three of us then sat down at a table and talked to the media and stuff. And then I went back. When that was over with and, you know, got showered up, had something to eat. And then Mary and I went back. They had a, a big uh, award ceremony later that day. So they bring they bring me and Mary up on the stage. And before they even presented me this giant trophy for third place, they started giving me all these gifts. Mm. And, I mean, honest to gosh, I had gifts. I had both arms out. And I had to go down and set them off the stage and come back because there was more they were giving Mary and I. It was, it was just absolutely amazing. Now that T-shirt that you gave away at the starting line that comes back here after the race, doesn't it? It does. Tell this, me, how would that, how'd that play out? Well, so I'm at this, at the, um, I can't remember if it happened right after the race. I think it was at the award ceremony because mm -hmm. the award ceremony was open to the public and it was the auditorium they had it and it was it was packed. Mm -hmm with people and um this young japanese girl that i'd given my shirt to came up to me afterwards and she had the shirt and she had a a, a magic marker thing and she just you know I, I she didn't speak english i didn't speak japanese but she handed it to me and kind of made a, a sign mm -hmm. like you know sign my name so i signed my name and 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 gave it back to her and um yeah, yeah who knows where that t-shirt is now and, and, and I think you remember me, or you telling me that they have like, they like you to sign, you call it like a tile or something. Yes. Like a postcard or what was it? I don't know. It was, it looked like a piece of tile. It was, it wasn't tile, but it was, it was hard like that. And it was a square, like a square tile. And yeah, we, we, I signed a bunch of those and I don't know what they do with them. If Maybe the, the race officials get them out to some of the, like city governors, mayors, things like that uh, of the area or what. But um, yeah, signed a lot of those. It's like, like a paperweight or something like yeah. that with your name on it or whatever. So that's well, so and cool. then 
well, so then, you know, finally that's all over with. And, and we go back to the hotel and and the next morning they they had told us, I had an interpreter, Mary and I did, and he said, before you leave, you need to go to Monkey Mountain. Hmm. It's this, it's this mountain area inside the city limits, and there's all these wild monkeys running around, but they they're friendly. So we we got up the next morning. We thought we got to go to Monkey Mountain. So the taxis over there's taxis over there. Okay, you know our taxis in big cities, yeah, not the cleanest things to get into. Yeah. Honest to gosh, these Japanese taxi drivers. They wear white gloves. They wear a uniform with a with oh a cap. Lord. And when they're not, when they don't have a somebody in their cab, they're out there polishing it and cleaning it and stuff. So we get into this cab. It's immaculate. And I, all I said was Monkey Mountain, and, and the driver just he knew what I was talking mm-hmm. about. So he takes us a few miles to this Monkey Mountain. We get out, and right behind our cab comes another cab and this Japanese businessman gets out he walks over to me and he spoke a broken English and I, I, I I'm not I hope I'm not um, what's the word I'm looking for he said ah mr. busy I don't want to you know yeah. I'm doing a Japanese yeah you don't want to sound like you're yeah ridicule putting them something. down no not at all but he comes over he goes ah mr. busy me and my family watched you on television yesterday. Wonderful, wonderful race. And he says, thank you for coming to Japan. And he gives me this wrapped gift. And he wow. shakes my hand and he gets back in his cab. And it was this beautiful Japanese, some kind of a little, you know, thing to take home with me to remember Japan. Japan. But I thought, this is amazing. This guy saw me on television. He must have been parked outside my hotel. How did he know I was going to Monkey Mountain? You know? Unreal. Did you get a tour of the New Balance factory? So so yeah. that I'm getting to that. Oh, sorry. So we we go to Monkey Mountain, we you know, and and, and everything and the monkeys are crawling all over us. It was kind of fun. <laughs> so that afternoon I we got on a flight and I had to go to we flew to another city. I forget the name of the city. But it was a big city where New Balance had a big factory over there mm. in Japan. So we get there, and it, they pick us up at the airport in like a big limo and stuff. They take us to this factory, and we get out, and right away the, the owner or the big wig of the factory presents Mary with a big bouquet of flowers. We walk into the factory everybody had stopped working they lined up and we walked in they gave us this unbelievable welcoming clapping and and cheering it it was the most you thought i just had won the gold medal and i was japanese (laughs) honest to gosh it was amazing that is so cool but i think it's just their culture about i don't know know, friendliness uh the gift giving you know honoring you know respect is i hope I Done. wish we had a little more of that. <laughs> of all the places I was fortunate to run in around the world, and I said this to many people, if you ever had a chance to go run a race in Japan, go. Because mm. they will they will treat you like you are the best runner in the world. They they appreciate the effort that you put in, whether you win or don't win. But I, I should back up just a little bit. So 
a, a day or two before the race, the remember ASICs, the big running shoe company. Well, back then they were called Tiger. Mm-hmm. Well, they got a bunch of us um, non-Japanese runners into a room, and they were offering us. I think it was like three thousand or five thousand dollars if we wore their shoes in oh. the race and wore a, a a Tiger singlet. Well. There were, I won't mention who they were, but there were a few of the Americans and a few of the Europeans that thought, what the heck, I'm in Japan, and and uh, my shoe company I run for is not going to know I'm wearing their shoes. <laughs> well, they wore them, and most of those guys that did that end up getting blisters and having to drop out and stuff. And I, yeah. I thought, I'm not doing that. You know, I don't care how much money they're offering me, but no, of, it was... Yeah. Amazing experience, oh, absolutely. That is so... Uh, you know, it's kind of... You know, when you think about where, where you were at a year earlier, you know, if you would. You right. Know, the spring of 80, you were hoping to go to the trials and just finish exactly. up your running career. And here you are, less than a year later, and can I just say, you kind of got the rock star treatment, it sounds like, in Japan. Yes, Which has got to in your way. And I, I think you remember me telling me that Mary, blonde-haired, tall, blonde American women right. are really... Admire and I when I say admired, I mean it in the right way, you know, right? Not, not like they're oogled and stuff like that, but no. they just find them as very uh, elegant or something like right. that, right? Yeah. Because they're just they, they don't get a chance to see a tall Call. blonde gal <laughs> yeah, over that often. way very often, you so know. Mary was also kind of getting the star treatment. Oh, like absolutely, that. and and done. Yeah. I would have never thought in a million years yeah. that a year earlier I'd becoming you know being invited to go run a race in japan it was just so beyond what i when i look back you know five years earlier in 1970 or six years earlier you know when i graduated from high school and you know never made it to the state meet here in minnesota (laughs) and cross country or track and now now i'm running in some international race it just it it was almost like having this incredible wonderful dream i tell in your appearance for the rest of us who knew you and we're kind of following this you know from a distance it was just as exciting for us i mean because right. we, we just kept going wow this is just you know it's off the chart and, and and we were loving it you know we were loving it and i remember you know like at that race i could hardly wait to call you and oh. tell you all about it and stuff i could wait to so grill you. And, and you, you were yeah Done. You were you were as excited oh yeah about it as I was. Oh, Beards, if you know, if it wasn't me, I was happy it was you. You know, you always right. see these, like, you know, Bill Rogers and Frank Shorter. You know, Bill, Frank Shorter went in Fukuoka four times. You know, I Frank, I've met Frank, nice guy. We, I'd say he's a friend now and all that. But you know, you don't know these people intimately, intimately. You know, like a, right. like a great fr- a best friend, a, a, almost right. like a brother. So when you see somebody that close. You know, you always think people that have success and become, uh, I hate to use the word famous, I don't want to go into your head, Beards, and it never does. It won't. <laughs> but, you know, you always think of that as somebody, I'll never know that person. I'll never right. know what, what they came for, what they were like. So to see somebody this close kind of having this success was super, super exciting. I remember track and field news shortly thereafter, because that thing came out about once a month. They did a, they did a huge story on you because at that time, you had the record for running two world-class marathons within 21 days of each other. You know, your 212.49 and your right. 212.41 
had never been duplicated in the past. Now, I think it's been done since then because there's been thousands Probably. of world-class marathoners running right. multiple races all over the world. But at that time, Track and Field News was like, wow, Dick Beardsley. I mean, and this who, <laughs> who is, is this Dick guy? Beardsley? Exactly. <laughs> and, it went, and to see Dick, your pitcher, which we're going to talk about here in a minute, in track and field news. I mean, as a high school kid, I couldn't wait to get it. My coach, Gene Borman, oh, got it I at the high it. school. And whenever it hit his mailbox, he'd have it down in his classroom. That thing would be dog-eared and tattered <laughs> by the time about a week later. Right. I would read it from cover to cover. And I always thought, man, how cool it would be to be good enough to get your name. And here was Dick Beardley's name multiple times and then a photo. And the photo was actually taken a couple weeks later. And let's just cut to the, our last little yeah. segment here for today's visit. On March 1st, 1981, Bob Bartling put together a crew to go to Lincoln, Nebraska to run in what's called the Statehood Days 10 Mile. And I think and Statehood done. Days was the year, it was the anniversary of when they became a state, obviously. The, and the done. this is only like two or three weeks after Beppo. This is about three. If it's three weeks, it's at the most. It's probably more right. like two weeks because it was March 1st. Two. And Beppo was probably like the 10th or 11th of February. Because, yeah. I mean, it's... You're, 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 these it, are just it hadn't been on, not very long time. It's your first race after Houston, right. after Beppo. Bob Bartling calls you up and goes, Beards, we're going, to, we're going to Lincoln, Nebraska. Come run with us. And Dick's like, sure, why not? And so you... <laughs> yeah. I don't know if we remember the details. If you and Mary came to... To, to Brookings. I can't remember either. We all kind of jumped in. I know one year we took a bus, a school bus, to Lincoln. I don't think you were in that trip. But, no, I wasn't in that but one. But we, we actually took, we drove down to Lincoln, and uh, we always had a place to stay. I don't remember the details. Like you know, And we were running for the Prairie Striders. Now, you, you were under contract at this point. Right. New Balance. I was happy to run for Bob, uh, even though I was working at Athletic Attic, and I usually wore my Athletic Attic jersey now because I was representing the store. But when but you we were ran team for Prairie Striders, when you ran for Bob, you were wearing the Prairie Striders <laughs> right. singlet. And I exactly. remember he, he had a box full of them, and he'd pull out, and they were all basically the same size, medium or small or whatever. And he starts handing them out, and I remember, and you didn't. I don't think you said anything, or and and, and Bob gave you the look like beards. You're running Prairie Striders today. <laughs> and I think you're just so good a guy and you respect Bob's, your elders. Right. And that. You, didn't, you didn't put up a fuss and you put the dang thing on. Probably <laughs> thinking like those guys over in Japan. Eh, they'll never, it's a little race exactly. in Nebraska. Who cares? Right. So we, we line up and if you go to the extras, when this comes out on the, when this podcast gets put, published so you can hear and listen and see this, I'm going to have on our website, Mary and Karen, I'm pretty sure we're at the race and took a lot of photos. And I'm going to put up some photos from this race. Um, there's some great results. There's some great stories that were written in the Lincoln paper. A really great shot of you and Bob Wallace. And I, I'm not yes. going to give it away, but Bob was, I think, the defending champion, had won the race the year before. This, this race was known for notoriously. Well, let's do the math. March 1st. In Lincoln, yeah. Nebraska, what kind of weather do you think you're going to get? If it ain't cold, it's going to be really cold. And if it's and, or windy, and if it's not windy, it's going to be really windy. Right. And so, um, long story short, we lined up, and there's a picture of you and I. At, we're kind of warming up right before we go to the line, and there's a picture of you blowing into your hands. And I think you even have gloves on. You're still blowing into your hands. We're, oh, we're yeah. both wearing long sleeve turtlenecks. It was it was nippy. It was maybe 35 degrees, and the wind was all of, you tell me, Beers, oh. 10 to 20 miles an hour out of the north. Oh, I think 
a good 20, and we had to run the into first it. five miles. We're right into first it. First five miles. So the gun goes off, and, and at the starting line, and there's a shot of this I'll put on our website. There's Dan Dreyer, who was like a, oh, a multiple All-American from, from uh, Southwest Missouri State. He was a Division II cross-country. He got second, I think, one year. Um, Mark Kerp, who's going to go on to have an outstanding oh, professional running career. Absolutely. Running for New Balance later. Mark Kerp, still in college. He's on the starting line. Um, just, it's a who's who. There was a team from Colorado that had, if I remember right, uh, a guy named Mark Weeks. I think Ted Castaneda was there. I mean, oh, it, it was a it star-studded it, field. It was a star-studded Midwestern. Uh, right. Frame, and the defending champion, Bob Wallace, an Australian, outstanding runner, who unfortunately passed here a few years ago, I heard from, was yeah. it a brain tumor. Brain and tumor, uh, he yeah. was a, just a super, super nice guy. He was a defending champion and Great had the guy. course record in like just a hair over 50 minutes, which is pretty outstanding considering the weather they usually right. had that day. Well, the gun goes off and Beard's take it away. I, I, there was a good group of us right at the start because into the headwind, it was like a bike race. You were up there, Bob Wallace were up there, and the rest of us, we're tucked in, sucking your guys' backs because you're giving us a draft. And I remember at about four miles, three and a half, four miles, you were running hard, and I was right behind you. And I go, Beards. And you kind of looked over your shoulder and go, Atta boy, done. Because it's like, you know, I was right on your back, and I don't think he even thought, ah, Mike's out here somewhere doing his thing. And I was like, man, I'm in the front pack running with the leaders here. I'm, at, you know, I'm coming off my 219. I'm having right. a great day. And I was, I was, I was feeling great. Well, at about four miles, we turned straight north. I am not kidding. Freaking gust of wind hit. And Beards, if I remember right, you put the hammer down. I did. So I knew we we're going to be coming up onto, you know, five miles pretty soon where we turned around. Yes. And then we get that wind at our back. And so I thought, and so I, I remember putting in a hard surge um, because I thought, okay, everybody's got to be, tired from bucking this wind and if i can get you know open up a little bit of a gap and then all i was thinking about was that turnaround and get that <laughs> wind up my back and then and then i was gonna just really try to start putting the hammer down at that point and i can't remember at the turnaround was it was it just me and bob yes. or was there still no. all of us you know when you made your move at four miles i was right behind you and you i mean it was a noticeable change of pace into this headwind. And I had a, you know, you have that moment in a race where it's like, you go with this move or you don't. Right. And I was running pretty much, I was at threshold. I mean, you're running, we're running, we're right about 25 minutes flat at 25 yes. miles running into yep. the wind. And I kind of made this thought, I go, man, Mike, yeah, we're going to turn with the wind, but you want to have your legs still to take advantage of that. Sure. And I thought, nah, I'm going to, I was in the second wave. I thought, I'm not going with the leaders. And that was you and Bob Wallace and maybe one or two other guys might have went for that one mile. So when you guys turned, we saw you coming back and it was you were on the front and Beards, just to put it mildly, you were putting the smack down. I was. And, I, oh, I, it was done, amazing. I, that, that five mile turnaround was like a carrot on a stick for me. It was that motivator to keep me going because... I, you know, I don't mind running in the heat, the cold, but man, when you're bucking a headwind, <laughs> and so I just kept thinking about that turnaround, and when we made that turn, man, I took off, and it was, it felt like, honest to gosh, having that wind in my back, it was like, I felt like I was flying, I honestly did. It's the greatest sensation, because when we turned, you know, when you're running into the wind, the wind going through your ears, you know, cyclists yes. know this. You can't hear much. No. But when you turn and get a tailwind, all at once it gets dead quiet. 
because now your speed is kind of equaling the wind speed. And that's what's happened. Well, I took off at the turnaround and everybody strung out. I mean, it was every man for himself because the draft (laughs) really didn't mean anything with a tailwind. And you guys disappeared. I kid you not. And if you go to the extras, the article about the race talks about some of your splits. And I know somewhere in there, you threw in a 438 mile. Yeah. I think you ran your last five in like 2330 something. Something like that. Now, if yeah. You, if anybody out there is doing the math, it's basically 440 to 445 pace the last five yeah. miles, which is moving. I mean, it's one thing to do that for one mile. And I don't care how hard the wind's blowing. To do I that couldn't for do that for miles. one lap of a track <laughs> right now. <laughs> well, anyway, there's a great shot, and it'll be on our, our website under extras, of you coming across the finish line. And Beards, you look awesome. You've got the biggest smile on your face. you got your hand up, and you're not one for yeah, making a big scene. But right. I, I remember you have, you have your number one. You got your, your signaling first place as you come across the line. It's a great shot. Um, I come across in eighth place and I am so ecstatic. And I told Dick before we started recording this, I was fighting for, you know, every spot. And I knew I was under 50 minutes for 10 miles. Just Which based is on, awesome. Oh yeah. I'm like going, I've never run this fast this far. And when we hit the track, you had to do three quarters of a lap and you did the three quarters of a lap in the opposite direction. You ran it clockwise. Most of right. us are definitely used to running counterclockwise, you know, always turning left on the track. Well, the way that the course was set up is you come into the stadium the track is on your right, so you jump onto the track and do a counter three-quarters of a lap. And I don't know if that made me – I've crossed the finish line. It was the closest I ever came to throwing up in my life. I mean, I've never erped at the end of a race. And people go, ah, oh, you're not running hard enough unless you throw up at the end of a race. And I thought, well, I'm never going to run that hard then, I guess. But that was the But closest. you gave it your best, Oh, I did. I, I was right to the line. I ran 49-42 or 43. Awesome. Oh, yeah, I was tickle pink and got eighth and – and, uh, you know, you were, you won and, and, uh, Lyle Clausen was our number three guy and Lyle ran like 51 and just a little over in the shade, which is really, you know, that's moving right Still along. Still a really think, good time. And I think you got 19th place. If I remember top 20 and, uh, and there was a team title and unfortunately, normally we would have had a cut and it mentions that Steve Benson and Al Zetterland, who I ran with at uh houston for a while super guys they normally came down and would run for the prairie striders a lot of times because they weren't associated with any professional teams or anything like that well they didn't come that meet they couldn't come for it for some reason so we didn't win the team title even though you won and and i got eighth we did great we were totally excited you know jazz for that well shortly thereafter track and field news comes out with this awesome article about Beardsley setting two personal bests within three weeks at, at Houston and Beppu, and they have a picture of you running a race, and it's a current photo that some photographer, yes. I don't know, track and field news picks it up off the AP or what, and Beards, it's a picture from statehood days with you wearing a Prairie Strider singlet. Oh, Bob Barlin was so pumped when, he, when that issue came out. Here's Dick Beardsley, world-class marathoner, He's a prairie strider. Done. <laughs> when I saw that, I was so excited. Cause I think you called me and yeah. said, hey, you're, there's this article or what picture yeah. of you. Yeah. And I remember going out and buying it. And my heart sank when I saw that picture. What, because of New Balance. New Balance is definitely going to see this photo. Oh, and, and what and happened? I, You know what? They, they called. They were very good about it. And they just said, Dick, hey, great article. Congratulations. But... 
you know, we need to have you be wearing, you know, a New Balance singlet. And I said, <laughs> oh, I, I totally understand. They didn't, they weren't mad or anything. They just said, hey, just make sure next time, you know, you, you've got a New Balance singlet on. They've been great to me for 40 plus years. <laughs> You know, because really what New Balance is sponsoring you for is for your picture to be on the front page of magazines, races, right. newspapers. And when people see the name New Balance and they see Dick Beardsley, what do they think about? Yeah. Man, that guy's, those shoes are really awesome. And so, right. uh, but Bob, was, I feel terrible. I, I don't think you would have done that for anybody else than Bob Bartling. No. And that just shows you how and, much we love him. Well, we love Bob and he's yeah. what, 95, 96 oh, well, years he, old now? He's and awesome. He still is awesome as he ever has been. I think been. that could be an interview possibly somewhere. That, that would be a so, good one. We'll God. just whet everybody's appetite with that. Beards, well, God, I can't believe. I'm exhausted, dude. I, I am too. I feel like I just ran Houston and statehood days all over again. I just feel like I ran Houston, Beppu, and statehood days. <laughs> you did three. I only did two races, but Beards, this but, is this. I really, you know, oh. I don't know if anybody else enjoys this, but you know, to sit down with your best friend and reminisce about I know. these experiences. This has been, you know, when we, when you and Ben had mentioned maybe we ought to do a podcast. I thought, oh, yeah, and but this has been beyond fun for me, and and. And, you know, you and I, it reminds me of the old days when we used to get together every New Year's and reminisce oh, about We would do the same thing. We'd just do it with just the two of us. It's a, it's a good thing that we can uh, still remember at our ages now way back then and, and stuff. But we want to thank everybody. And, yeah, look at these shirts. Um, There'll be some announcement you know, coming out. We're going to do some merch. For anybody yes. who thinks the podcasts are fun and you want to support us, we'll, you'll be getting some uh, information about how you might be able to get some, uh, some items. Absolutely. And a big thanks to Ben for coming up with the designs on those shirts, too. And we want to thank everybody for listening today. And if you have any questions for Dunn and myself or comments about the show, you can contact us directly on our website at beardsanddunpod.com or leave us a comment on our Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, all at beardsanddunpod. And you know my line if you're watching on YouTube, you know, hit that like, subscribe, leave us a comment. We'd love to hear from you. Beards, have a great day, man. It's always great to visit with you. Oh, you too, Mikey. We'll talk to you next week, right. buddy. Have a great one, bud. Bye-bye. You bet. Bye-bye.